You are listening to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MSP Ignite. MSP Ignite offers a peer group experience that is unique to managed service providers in the technology industry. If you are serious about implementing a model for success through sharing and collaboration of best practices, this is the best way to do it. Head on over to msp-ignite.com to get more information. All right, on to the show. Welcome everybody to this episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week by Dorian Corgis. Uh, welcome, Dorian. Thank you very, very much. Glad I totally to butchered here. your name, didn't I? Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, it's Cogis. Well, Cogis. It's like I just had that moment in my head, and it, it's like if I pronounce, if I enunciate the syllables correctly, I'll still get it wrong. Um, so, Dorian, uh, with Unified Controls Framework, uh, everybody that's listening, it's important to know that because of what Dorian does. And so Dorian and I have had a couple conversations and the topic for this week is know your client, know your customer, know who you're working with. And this is coming off of a two-part series where we talked about knowing your vendors, like how do you vet them? What's the checklist? What's their roadmap? Those types of things. So as we kind of come full circle, this is probably one that I not sure why it took this long to get to having this conversation, but there was a post on LinkedIn, Dorian, that you had done, and you were asking the question, do you know your customer? And we like in the MSP space to say, do you know your client? Um, and, and that's kind of where I wanted to start this conversation with you uh, for our audiences to, how did this start? Obviously, this is bigger than Unified Controls Framework, but you picked up on something that is really what I think is most important is, do you know the people that you're working with? Exactly. Uh, Unified Compliance Framework started working with Tag Vault and started working with a bunch of the other folks in the, what I call compliance is code universe. And you know, security scorecard is a client, security sure. AI is a client, a bunch of others. And we, this began when we were all talking about scoring and organizations, uh, truth posture. Sure. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put two of these two things out there, truth posture and uh, security posture. Yep. And so truth posture is, are, is the organization who the organization says it is? That's the truth posture. Security posture is, is the organization as secure as they say they are? You know, it's one thing to pen test, it's another thing to have uh, you know, a, a, a Thomson Reuters, a, a, a bunch of other uh, organizations through APIs go on out and actually do security testing, sure. map it against the, the CVE, CWE, OWASP, and MITRE ATT&CK framework, and come back and say, hey, here's your real score. Which is kind of like two and, truths, and so that's right? how it began. I'm sorry, what? It's like having two truths, right? So you know exactly. what you built, you know that you built it following a blueprint, and then you built it, but that doesn't mean that it stayed true to course from the posture that you're evaluating it against. Absolutely. Because things change, you know, right. software gets updated, uh, code gets added. Lord, I know code gets added. Right. Uh, and, and, and then you have to, you have to continually check yourself, but more importantly, you do have to continue to check your clients right. and, and, and your vendors. 
And you know, because we do a lot of work with the uh, US State Department, we are required at Unified Compliance to know who our clients are. And so what happens is, 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 is it's very interesting when they ask the question, it's not just the security posture of what's going on, it's the, are the owners of the organization who they say they are? Um, are the owners of the organization, are the board members of the organization who they say they are? And funny enough, I, I looked at my own organization because I, 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 I know who my board members right. are. And, and, and your listeners can go do the same thing. Go, go look at Unified Compliance board members on LinkedIn. I found these five people who said they were board members of the Unified Compliance Framework. <laughs> and, and you would think that as the, the CEO and, and co-founder, you know, so I've been here day one of Unified Compliance Framework that I would know who all of the board members were. And, and I found four people who said they're on my board. And I reached out to them. I said, hi, uh, I'm the co-founder. Who are you? <laughs> I, I'm one of your board members, right? That's, that's what one of the guys said. He said, I'm a board member. Uh, and, and, and I said, well, wow, funny how that works, because I'd love to know what board meeting you were at that I, yeah, <laughs> I think I, I missed. made them all. Yeah. Did, did I miss a board meeting somewhere? Did we <laughs> vote you in? And it was, it was very, very interesting. So you have, to, you have to do research. There are people out there in this day and age that has some major huevos on them who right. will say they are this or they are that. And, and which then brought us into more research on the kinds of things that you can find out. Tom, you know, Thomson Reuters has this really, really brilliant um, API that, that combines Equifax, Experian and TransUnion and, and, and uh, Department of Justice records and, and various states criminal court records. And, oh, and by the way, you and I were talking last time, you said, you know, where's the education stuff? There, you know, the education stuff is in there. Right. And, and f there's no excuse in today's market if you have a real good GRC tool, not to be able to give that GRC tool a, a user's information and say, tell me the truth about this user when they're going through you know, a security check, when they're going through a background check, because that data can be found. It can be pulled in through an API and, and grcschema.org even has the, 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 the JSON structure of what that, that person's record should look like. So a question on that that I think is kind of interesting. Uh, well, a couple questions. One is, where do you stop with the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Like, how <laughs> far out do I go, right? Like, so if I'm asking you the question, like, to figure out if I know you, then I probably need to know more than just you, right? So now I'm asking questions about the you that you know, right? Like, so like you said, who are your board members and are they all on your board? I, I feel like there's like, uh, so like one, I'll just give you an example of where this question is coming from. Back when I had my MSP, we had a contractor that worked for us. He was a 1099 contractor. We had found him through uh, OnForce. I think OnForce has changed its name now. I think they're owned by somebody else. And we had a great working relationship with this guy. I mean, when I say great, like we were like, this guy really needs to come on board and work for us full time. And we're like two years into having him as a 1099 contractor. He wasn't full-time, but that's where we were going with this. And uh, 
So I, we ran him through background check, past background check. Uh, and then um, after he had signed his employment paperwork, uh, we set him up with direct deposit payroll. Well, with direct deposit, they asked for a couple key questions. One of them is your social security number. He provided a number that was exactly the number of digits for a social security number. And lo and behold, it came back as not valid, as in not citizen of the United States, as in he was now on 18 years of violating his current student visa wow. to be in the United States. All of it tied to his parents are citizens, his siblings are citizens. But when he came over, because he wasn't born in the U.S., when he turned 18, because he didn't go and get his citizenship taken care of, he was now in direct violation. And it's like, and this is the state of California, so like now we're in like this huge world of hurt potentially. Sure. And we truly thought we had done due diligence. We really did. And, and in fact, I would have argued that someone else was doing due diligence too, before it ever got to me needing to do my own due diligence because he'd already passed right. the background Because he, he, he came through them, the other organization, sure. So basically the way he got through the other one is he chose not to provide the social security number, provided his driver's license number, which he has a legitimate driver's license number. And then because there was no um, you know, charges, again, no criminal record, he came back with a clean slate. They didn't ask him like, hey, are you a US citizen in the statement? Or, or he avoided that question and they somehow missed it. I don't know. But my, my point was, is that's one example. That's the people example. But like, as I'm evaluating an organization, the client, like, where do you stop? Right. It's a question of risk. It, it, it really is. Uh, you know, it, it's so part of what we're doing, and I'm doing the same thing now on, on, on organizations. So the, the net U.S. government has this thing called the... Uh, the CPE list that the yep. National Vulnerability Database is built right. on. Well, uh, they handed it to us to, to do some cleanup. And I found out that 67% of the names in there are wrong. And, and, and we, started to, we started to do some cleanup on, on finding these organizations and finding out you know, about these organizations and, and where were they headquartered. Sure. And, and very interestingly, and, and funny enough, we had a budget meeting right before I came here, it cost me $2,800 in hitting Clearbit and hitting Uplead and hitting uh, Crunchbase and hitting Spiza and hitting Thomson Reuters and hitting and hitting and hitting. <coughs> Excuse me. It took seven different uh, APIs, very robust APIs to find out just the truth side of who these organizations were and then create the listing of organizations that had built software that nobody had, that, that are running systems that nobody knows where they live. And, and I sent that back to one of my clients in the in the U.S. government. I'm gonna I'm not gonna name names because I don't want to get my client in trouble and I don't want to have them suing me. But let's just say it's you know it's not a state government. It's okay. the U.S. government. It's the the government. Ru the government running software that's been running for seven years now on let's just say not uncritical systems that we can't find where the vendor ever lived let yeah. that sink in yeah you know there, and, and, and by the way there are vulnerabilities in this software 
and there are no patches to it, but this is existing software that's out there that's that's come up. And when I went to go do the the organizational check and provide this you know this full robust uh, schema yeah. of information about the organization, both the security stuff and the truth of it stuff, fifteen percent of the organizations on on the CPE list in the NVD, no one can find information on. No one. So they either don't exist or the names have changed so many times since this started. Somewhere along the way, we lost track of who they've become. Right. And, and, and <clears throat> they're in no database. They're in no anything. So how then do you so the, you know the question then becomes is on a risk side, mm-hmm. do you pull all that software out? Do you patch it the best you can? What do you do? And and so my point is there are amalgams of of uh, APIs that are out there that anybody can build in now. You know now that 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 seven source check is a, is a single API call for us because we've amalgamated them to, you know, to the back end and any GRC tool should be able to do this. I mean, I, I'm a crap programmer. My, my team will tell you that. I was able to build it in with one guy uh, w- within, within 12 days. So a real GRC tool should at least have this, this core suite that can go out you know, to, to an Equifax, to a TransUnion, to it, to, to Thomson Reuters, to security scorecard, to security AI, crunch base, get all that data, put it together and say, hey, here, here's a big package of stuff for you on both the truth of, of the organization side and of the technical side, because that capability should, should exist. And then if somebody slips through the fingers, you know, I mean, slips through the cracks, then, then that's a real question of, are we really asking them the right questions about these people when they come in? Or are we letting them slip through the cracks? I mean, this is no different than, you know, you do an, I've done many audits on, on businesses. And the question that often comes up is background checks. And if the organization's big enough, there's often this sort of like, I don't want to say pre-written rule, but it's like, we're going to now going forward, do background checks on all new employees. But how do you, you know, do the background checks on the existing employees when you're spending a few dollars, you know, per background check. And so I I have said like worst case scenario, you do them as you can afford to do them. Right. So like, because the second part of that question would be, you were fine at the point in time, the background check was done. Does not mean that that background hasn't grown. Right. Because every day we go forward, there's now new days in the past that something could have changed when a background check is, is performed. And it could be one of those things where in a background check, you find out that this person's had their identity stolen or this person has had, you know, any number of Happened things. Happened to me. Right. I've been there myself, uh, charged against you. So, so you know, as you, as you kind of are explaining some of these pieces, it starts to feel like, like this is almost an overwhelming nightmare. But at the same time, there's a piece of this that says this should be almost trivial, right? Like you should at least know some of these key things about the people that you work with and the organizations that you are working with, right? Right, right. So if we're talking to an SMB, managed service provider and or their clients and doing the whole, do you know your client? Do you, do you know your customer? 
where do you start? What are the pieces that one should start with? And I know that's a loaded question because maybe there's not a specific, you should definitely start here, but there's gotta be some sort of like, how do we wrangle this a little bit for the smaller guys? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that. I, so you and I met because I did a, uh, I did a survey you know, of, of 2,500 people and got you know, a little over a thousand answers back. And I answered most... 999 times. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. And you changed your answer. Quite I'm often. good. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I made sure I took notes so I didn't repeat the same answers. Yeah. Uh, we, we, what, what we're finding out is that I, I, I felt horrible because there isn't really a great tool. You know, a, there was no winner of the GRC tools versus uh, a dedicated, you know, like a third-party risk tool versus a dedicated portal for, for doing it. There's some right. pretty sketchy ones out there. Sure. Uh, I would, I would absolutely start first if you have a GRC tool, even the, even the, you know, the least expensive one on spring service now, uh, uh, open GRC, you know, gov ready, ask them what, what the schema of the person is. That's where you need to start. And, and then go compare the, just the schema, what, you know, what they can track or what they do track about a person, go compare that to the schema at, at, at grcschema.com. You know, are they, are they tracking education info? Are they tracking uh, career records? Are they tracking, um, un well, this one has unclaimed assets, social media, uh, you know, fraud services, fraud service codes, adverse media reports, um, you know, person risk reports. If, if they don't have any, any of those things in there, then, then you're using the wrong tool. I went to a SAS portal. I, you know, I went back and asked some of the people who, who said, hey, they're doing this stuff in, in a SAS portal. I said, great, do me a favor. Give me the SAS portal. I, I want to go and see what their schemas look like. And the one I looked at said, it, it, and all it did was check, like you said, driver's license information, right. uh, relatives, and, um, and other things not based on the person's social security number. So, not based so on the person's passport number. Right, which would be a lot more thorough. It, and and it, yeah, it makes me and, think and so about. I would say, go ahead. Uh, well, let me just finish this yeah. up. So so what I found is, the sites that say, give me a driver's license, current driver's license number plus your social security number, yeah. or if you're not a U.S. citizen, your passport number. Those are the sites that seem to have the most, uh, the, the most critical set of data. Well, and I think we're and, going and the there too. That don't with, ask for those two things. Miss a whole bunch of stuff. Well, and I think if if your driver's license today has the gold star on it, a lot of the information that otherwise wasn't collected before has now been updated when you got that new right. driver's license. It makes me think about the uh, the Frank um, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Um, right, Frank. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh shoot, ha Abernathy or Frank? Yeah, Abernathy. Abernathy. Um, it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, the Catch Me If You Can, Frank Abernathy, he now consults for the FBI. Uh, he's a very interesting character. I, I heard him speak a couple years back. And 
the things that he was able to get away with, you know, all those years ago, people are still kind of getting away with that today. And there's really no excuse for it because our technology and our infrastructure and the tools that we have at our disposal, even some of the ones you've mentioned, it would have been pretty tough to skip past even some of the more basic uh, check. Like, so I, as you were talking, I started thinking like, you know, where do you start? So you could trivialize this and say, okay, well, let's at least start with background check. But when you do one, make sure that you're covering the two points that you said, driver's license and social security number. And if they don't have one or they don't want to disclose it, at least provide the passport number. Right. Because I think it's yeah, safe it's to be say we don't want to give it away. And driver's license or passport and social security number. Because when, when, I, when I looked at these portals, when I looked at um, who I could give data to through the APIs, yeah. because that's the way I'm looking at it. Uh, if, if I didn't give them both criteria, I didn't get back full information. Because if I gave them passport information, it didn't, it didn't always give me the most updated. Uh, it, it didn't give me education information. It didn't give me updated addresses. It didn't give me a lot of things that the other gave me. And then if you need to check their social media, what you really need to do is you need to get their business email address not their Gmail address, but their business email address, because through business email address, a lot of these guys can then go on out and, and then check back through LinkedIn, check back through a lot of these things, get their Twitter accounts, because then you get to see what they're actually saying about people and what they're saying online. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. There's a, uh, there's a gentleman who's not gonna be teaching at West Point anymore. Because somebody somebody got uh, some background information on him, was able to go on out and find out that this guy's been posting some really crazy ass right wing Nazi bullcrap on this you know goofy site over X and Y and Z. Yeah. Because he boldly used his email address. So you're essentially saying, check all email addresses you can get your hands on, including right. work email. So uh, shift gears a little bit. We've, we've talked a lot about the individuals that make up organizations, the individuals that will go and work at organizations. How does this sort of like tie into you? Because I feel like if you have 10 employees in a company and five of them uh, don't actually have a good background, like it, it definitely discredits the organization. It seems like there's more to it than that, though. I feel like what you said previously about finding an organization that's providing software or, or, or you know, data, database solutions, what does that look like? Because I feel like that as, is as powerful as it is finding out about specific individuals in an organization. It is. There's, a, there's an entire schema of, of organizational information that that you can find, I, you know, and I'm going to go back to the experience, the, you know, the yeah. others, the, the DNB, we have a, uh, what's called a cage ID for doing business with the military. Okay. And, and, and when we went through to get our cage ID, they, they did the whole, are you truthful? And they did the whole, uh, are you technological? But more importantly, what was very interesting was for my senior staff, they also did the personal, they, they let me know that because who we're going to be working with in the State Department, they're going to be monitoring my senior staff's persona, digital personas. And every, everybody today has a digital persona. 
Right. And I'm going to clue you in on something. This is very interesting. We we hired a gentleman that we then had to immediately file uh, fire. He didn't have a digital footprint. Huh. And and we thought that was a good thing. <laughs> and he came to our company offsite on day two, and we we had to test him for drugs. And because you know the the hotel owner said, hey, you know, all through the night, people have been coming to ask how to get to his room and needed a security card to get into to that far to go give a delivery to his room through the middle of the night, clued us in the next morning. The next morning he was looking a little wacky. And the COO and I decided, you know, we, we do need to, to test this guy. Um, I, I won't say who, but we thankfully got rid of him without that much problem. He did steal some equipment from us. And it turned out that his entire persona he hid from the digital universe because wow. he was a wackadoodle and would go through. And after that, after he left us, he sued a very, very, very powerful company. The only reason we knew was because they subpoenaed us to present records about why we had to fire him and how long he lasted with us. Two days. And I said, two days, you know, under oath. I said, well, he lasted yeah. two days. Well, why'd you fire him? Because he was not coked out of his head, but you know, he wasn't doing <laughs> and, and so, well. Yeah, he wasn't doing well. And, and so if you don't, you know, in today's world, if you don't leave a digital footprint, that means you're masking something because just naturally yeah. we leave a digital footprint. You we can't should be able to find but, something on them, right? Like it, it there yeah. shouldn't be a zero, it shouldn't be a zero footprint. Right. It shouldn't be a zero footprint. So if you're finding that my dog has a digital footprint, <laughs> old Leo's you have on a, a special lot of pages. Dog. Yeah. Yeah. You know, old Leo's, Leo's on a lot of pages. People can tell you that my dog has been out to you know, the island. And so when, when you're doing these things, it's it, you know, the people in the organization, the leaders in the organization have to have a decent digital footprint. They, they, they have to be on notice that they're going to be monitored as a part of the organization's brand right. and, and security brand and um, social brand. And, you know, I don't want to sound all black mirror or anything, but people are looking at that well, these days. So, so this not to, we could go on a rabbit trail here because I think that this kind of gets into know your own entity right so we talk about you know know your clients but how well do we know our own teams because i think you said it well when you were saying uh you did a linkedin search and you're recognizing most of your board members but there were a few that stood out that you were not familiar with and when you checked into it it was like one had his own truth about being on your board and the rest obviously that, that was done but like it, it brings questions like when I think about my own team, right? Like what kind of checking do I need to do? How frequently do I need to be checking up on them? Because today they're in my office doing exactly what I asked them to. Tonight they're on social media talking about how bad their experience was because they don't want to be there. Right. We've, we've actually put our folks on, on nose. We went, luckily we went virtual before COVID happened. We, we decided that we had people that really wanted to work from where they wanted to work and, and they could, sure. and they were doing it very, very well. So I said, okay, great, let's, let's do that. And one of the caveats that I, I told people was, A, we are going to monitor your social media. Yeah. I want to know 
and, and, and originally I told him, I said, I want to know if you're, if you're posting a whole bunch of crap during work. Right. You know, I, I want to know, cause, cause I had a friend and the only reason I want to know that is I had a friend of mine who was, while he was on team meetings, could see his, one of his staff members posting all sorts of stuff. Sure. Up in, in TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you didn't turn your camera on and, and you're on mute. Not because, you know, you just, you know, you got a kid screaming in the background, but you're probably recording things on TikTok while we're working. I don't know if that's too cool. So, you know, we said we did have a social media policy and, you know, that's part of what you have to do. You have to have a, you know, you have to work with HR. You have to work with your legal folks to say, what can we do and, and what's the right thing to do? When is it too far for us? And when is it not? I do want to know what my people are tweeting. I do want to know what my, my people are, are out there saying because my clients are looking. Right. And, yeah. and I'd rather get ahead of it. Because this is also how you, you, you better show how much you know about your clients as well, right? Because if the stuff I put on social media is reflective and positive towards the clients I'm working with, right. great. If it's right. not, then the question gets asked, do you even know me because you're out there doing this? It's very counterintuitive. It, it, it is. <sighs> you, you have to you have to know who's working for you. You know, we had to know who was working for us before. Sure. You, you, you were talking about the Frank Abernathy thing. You know, how did the kid get through most of those things? At least in the movie, I also read the book. Uh, same thing in the book. He schmoozed people. Yeah. He got them not to ask the question. Social engineering at its best. At its best. Guy was brilliant at it. And, and, and so that's how your guy got through his right. system. Right. And that's how, you know, Mr. Mr. I was nobody. I couldn't find anybody. This guy was truly, man, he was smooth talking. He passed my bullshit test when we were going through, you know, our, our senior engineer who is really, really great guys. This guy from the Balkans who knows, you know, he knows more math than I've ever heard of. He was asking this guy. So the kid was brilliant, but also a wackadoodle. Yeah. So he passed our stuff. Had we listened to what we weren't hearing? Sure. The silence amongst the noise. Yeah. Had we listened to the, the report that came, came back saying, this guy doesn't exist. Should have, I was right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, had your son, had somebody had asked your guy, you know, social security number. Oh, there isn't one. It's the non-existence of. Yeah, if you don't ask questions, then don't expect answers, right? So right. if the question wasn't asked or it was couched in such a way that there was an easy way to answer without answering, yeah, you you get those, you figure those, uh, you know, loops out and and you exploit them, even if it's not done intentionally. I think that the guy that we that I'm referring to, I don't think he intentionally was trying to deceive anybody. We flattered him when we said, we'd love to have you come work for us full time. And that's where some of his guards that he had in place to protect himself slipped. In theory, it was already a done deal because he'd already gone through a background check. All he had to do now was provide his bank account details, which in turn wanted a little bit more information that he'd given in the past so that we could appropriately file taxes. If he had had a work visa, a legitimate work visa, we could have still hired him, but he didn't have one. Right. 
So listen, I feel like this has been a great conversation. Um, this is the first, I hope, of, of many to come because I think the people that are out there listening to this have never really thought through what does it mean to understand and know the people that are working for your clients, nor do they have a true understanding, maybe up until this point, of how to go about finding the information so that they can make better decisions on the risks that they're taking on. And I'm going to do a follow-up from this. Uh, I'm going to do some homework. You would say, you know, what does it cost? What does it take to do this? So I'm going to put together, I'm going to do some due diligence on my end. I'm going to reach out to all of the various API vendors okay. and, and find out how many hits, how many API hits it takes for me to find out full background information. I'm first going to do it on myself. Okay. I'm going to do it on a couple of my staff members, uh, especially my one overseas guy. And, and I'm going to find out <clears throat> How many, you know, what is the cost yep. of finding out that information from the various sources through pure API hits, not through somebody's SaaS portal, because they, you know, they're they're putting whatever pricing they're on, but you know, through the pro, you know, what that's the APIs that SaaS portal hit. Yep. So I want to find out what that pricing is and who provides what with what level of information. I guarantee you, Chris, I'm going to get back to you with that information. Sounds good. I, I really appreciate that. Those of you listening. Uh, thanks Dorian for being on the show. And when we have some answers, we'll either do a bonus episode or we'll do a part two of this one. Thanks everybody. And have a great week. Thank you very much.